thank God for His saving grace. Thank God for His keeping grace. Keeps us when we can't even keep ourselves. Amen. But I, I thank God for it, like Sister Becky, Sister Faye, God's goodness. He is a good, good God. And uh, I testify a bit and say thank God for, I mentioned touching Kirsten's body, but uh, today, nine years ago, front of witness of preachers and congregation. She made the, probably the worst mistake she could have made, and I'm so glad she did. Amen. She said, I do, and as Brother Hank said, uh, for better or for worse, I couldn't have done any better, and she couldn't have done any worse. Uh, but uh, nine years ago, God brought us together. Today is our anniversary, and so I love her. And uh, thank God for Nine wonderful years. I'm hoping for about 99 more. If the Lord tarries, if He don't, Amen. Then we'll get to be together in heaven forever. But uh, I love my wife and glad she's here. And just thankful that uh, for the touch of God on her body already, and just believe in God to finish and complete the work. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn with us to the Book of Luke, chapter number seven. Going to actually preach a thought the Lord gave us in the hospital on, on Saturday morning. And uh, prayer meet last night, I thought I'd preach something else and had something else burning on my heart for tonight. And then uh, just got down to pray this afternoon, and the Lord began uh, leading us in this direction. If you're looking for some theologically sound outline, you won't get that. Well, it'll be theologically sound, but if you're looking for some uh, some great expository preaching, you're probably not going to get it tonight. But just a thought straight from the throne room of God, fresh off the press. And I uh, just want to preach my heart to you. Luke chapter number 7. Again, I read with verse number 11 down to verse number 17. It reads as this, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when it came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and he touched the buyer or the bed, that would carry the dead. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother, and there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And his rumor or his fame of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region roundabout. Draw your attention back to verse number 14. And it says, And he came and he touched the buyer. I want to preach if the Lord will help us tonight for a few moments on the power of God's touch. The power of God's touch. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to help us. Father, I pray tonight that you would add your blessing, your anointing, to the reading of the Word of God. If 
Father, as always, I have no talents, no giftings, no abilities outside of you, but with you, through you, by you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm asking, oh God, that you'd hide me behind the, the cross tonight, that your anointing would flow through me, oh God. I pray there'd be anointing to preach the word, an anointing to receive the word, an anointing to respond to the word. God, may there be an anointing around these altars to touch our hearts and life. God, I pray that this would not be a message just uh, one of that's being expounded, God, but this would be one that could be experienced tonight. God, I pray that you would display the power of your touch. I pray, oh God, that you would touch each and every one of us that we could leave different change by the power of Almighty God. We are a needy people in need of your touch. I'm asking that you have your will and your way. We're going to give you the praise, honor, and glory for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. Saturday as we were in the hospital, Brother Tim Cawley came by and prayed for, for Kirsten and we joined together in prayer. And He laid his hand on her head and, and began praying for her. And this particular moment in time when you pray in prayer, oftentimes is, it can be a battlefield. If, if you can be distracted in prayer, the devil's going to try to distract you. But I, I began thinking. I, I, I was praying with him as he prayed and he put his hand on her head and my mind immediately began to be sidetracked. But I knew that it was God that was tugging at my heartstrings, and sometimes it's okay to go along with the distraction when it's God that's doing the distracting. But I began to think about the testimony of how Brother Eddie and Sister Kim came to the Lord. Brother Eddie has shared it many times before. But I believe if I get the story correct, Kirsten was two years old. She was sick and in the hospital and uh, running a, a sky high fever and doctors really didn't know what was going on. Brother Eddie and Sister Kim were lost to the time that they had a neighbor, Brother Roy Drum, that uh, or was actually neighbors to uh, Sister Charlene and Brother Jimmy. And he told Brother Tim, he said, you need to go by the hospital and you need to look up this family and you need to pray for them. They're lost. But I believe that if God would heal and raise up that baby, God can save that family. So Brother Tim went to the hospital and did not know the family just outside of having a, a friend um, and uh, Brother Drum. And he walked in that room and he laid his hand on Kirsten's head and began to pray. And if I get the story correct, God gave him a miracle and God raised Kirsten up and then they were discharged just a a few days later, and on the heels of that, Brother Eddie, uh, just a few weeks or a few months later, goes to church. God gets, gets a hold of his life. God saves and God saves Sister Kim. And out of that, some 30 years later, you have the ministry that you have today. But I began to think about the power of one touch. About the power of a single touch. A man of God walking into a hospital room, laying his head on a sick baby out of that, not only did she get healed, but a man and a woman get born again. God fills them with the Holy Ghost. 
God places them in the ministry. This church exists today because of the power of a touch. There's churches that have been birthed in Africa, in the Caribbean, in the Philippines because of the power of a touch. There's slaves in Pakistan that have been freed because of the power of a single touch. We never know the, the long-lasting ramifications of a single prayer. We never know what God is going to do, but look at the fruit of ministry that resulted some 30 years ago because of the power of a prayer and the power of a touch. As Brother Tim began to pray, amen, and I began to think about a touch 30 years ago on that baby. In a hospital, God raised up a, a woman of God. He put his hands on his head. And as he was finishing up, I put my hand on top of his and said, Lord, 30 years ago, you used this man and the power of touch, not just his hand, but the power of God flowing through him. It wasn't just his physical touch, but it was him being a, a conduit, a channel of the glory of God. You touched her. 30 years ago, and I'm praying that by the touch of that same hand, the touch of the power of God, that another miracle would result. Folks, there's power in a touch. There's power in a touch, not just physically from a physical man, but as I mentioned, we are conduits of the glory of God. I begin to think about the necessity of touch. Did you know that babies are uh, in their creation have a biological need for close physical affection and attention? There has been scientific studies and nothing is more important. This is from a scientific study. Nothing is more important to their emotional physical and intellectual development than a comforting cuddle and a loving touch. There's been studies on adults that have been racked and steeped in crime, whether it be murders, whether it be drug addicts, whether it be convicts that have long records. And a majority of those in prison cells today come from busted up homes where there was no love and where there was no affection and there was no attention. There are scientific studies that say the most important hours of development in a child's life is the first 24 to 48 hours when they're nurtured and they're loved. Why? Because this physical body it craves attention. It craves a touch. And there's just something comforting about a touch. When you're going through something in your life it's in shambles or in chaos and you don't know where to turn but God sends somebody to wrap their arms around you uh, and you feel and you sense the love uh, of almighty God uh, we were created as humans uh, in need uh, of that physical touch uh, oh hallelujah and as we go through this life uh, we need that touch uh, we need more than just a physical touch from man from a husband or a wife uh, or from children or from parents uh, but if we were wired physically uh, that we need a physical touch from each other how much more do we need a spiritual touch in our lives because I can tell you the same way that that newborn baby there has to be a touch for that physical intellectual and emotional development
to take place. We were created as spiritual beings. We must have the touch of God upon our lives. And there's some things that we go through in life that nothing else will help, that nothing else will solve, but a touch from God Almighty. Oh, hallelujah. There's power in a touch. There are diagnosed medical conditions that can result because of a lack of touch and a lack of physical interactions. But can I tell you, while that may be in the physical, much of the world is in trouble tonight because there is a lack of a touch of God upon their life. Oh, I can tell you, I, I was we were when we were in the hospital with Kirsten. Monday was a week ago. My heart broke. There was a young lady that came up to the the counter, and uh, she was having a, a a mental episode. I won't get into the condition that she had, but as soon as she walked in, you, you could tell that this individual was mentally disturbed. And they told her, they said, uh, or they, they told the person at the admissions counter, they said, uh, we went to this particular place to get help and they turned us away and said, you just need to go straight to the ER. Uh, amen. The mental health, I, I don't even want to get in uh, and off on all of that, but uh, all of the physical cuts nationwide and statewide that's caused the mental institutions to close uh, their doors, the places that were giving these people help. Uh, amen. Did different places in their different times in their life, they're shutting their doors and there's nowhere for them to turn uh, and nowhere for them to go. Uh, and I begin to think, uh, you know, her problems that she's going through in life uh, could all be solved uh, with a touch of God upon her life. Uh, oh, God help us tonight. Uh, amen. I, I was hearing somebody on the radio talk about the mental health care uh, just today and they were talking about the thousands of people that are being turned away from relieved, from receiving the health care that they need because there's simply no place for them to go in the natural. And I begin thinking, oh God, if somebody could just get to them with a gospel, there is hope. Amen. There, I know that there is a need for mental health in this world, but can I tell you there's a much greater need for spiritual health. And this same Jesus that we're preaching and declaring unto you tonight he is well able amen if we could just get him to touch God and if we could just get God to touch him I can tell you amen much help could be found in the house of God amen. 97 times in the Bible you will find the word touch and touch being used and I can tell you that no greater example can be found when Jesus would touch a man. Our text shows us the power of his touch. And I want to look at a few instances in Scripture where it talks about the touch of Christ or the touch of God. Number one, I want to show you and prove to you in Scripture that the touch of God is greater than death itself. For Luke 7 verse 12, he comes into the town, the city of Nain. And what meets him there in the gates is a funeral procession. A man that the Bible clearly described as dead. He saw the procession. He saw 
that there was a dead man being carried out. And he looked at this woman who was a widow. And this was her only son. He had compassion on her. And Jesus walked up and he touched the buyer. Now you look up this, different commentaries say different things. Some say that a buyer was actually a coffin. Others say that the buyer was simply a bed, a couch that the dead would be laid on. They would be wrapped and prepared for burial, not like Egyptian mummies, but they would have linens that would cover the body and they would have a napkin around the face. But that is what Jesus encountered when he come in to name. And as he looked at this man, Jesus did something unique. Jesus did something that was a no-no under the law. Because the Bible tells us in Numbers 19.11 that he that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. Not only could you not touch the body, but you couldn't touch the bed that the dead body lay on. The Bible tells us too in Leviticus 21, he that is a high priest among his brethren, that he neither shall go in unto any dead body, nor defile himself with father or mother. Jesus knew the law. He was the embodiment and the fulfillment of the law. But when he saw this dead boy, and he saw this mama whose heart had just been broken in a million pieces. He wasn't concerned about being ceremonially unclean. He wasn't concerned about defiling the priesthood because he was and he is the great high priest. Amen. He looked death right in the eyes and he violated every teaching uh, that they would instruct the priest to do. Uh, he violated every uh, commandment of being ceremonially clean. Uh, he wasn't concerned with any of that, uh, but he touched the buyer. Uh, amen. The power of his touch. Uh, and he looked at him. Uh, I say unto thee, arise. Uh, and immediately the dead set up and began to speak and he delivered him uh, to his mother. Uh, amen. There's power, folk, uh, in the touch of God. Uh, and there's power uh, in the spoken word of God. He touched him. He spoke to him. And immediately he arose. In the, uh, uh, in the Ethiopian translation of the Bible, when it was translated into the Ethiopian tongue, they recorded this scripture just a little bit different. Amen. But I like what they said. It said he came to the buyer and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he arose. He told him, son, get up off of that deathbed. And at that instant, death had to unleash its grip. The chains of death had to be loosed. Why? Because the life giver stepped on the scene. And his touch is greater than death. His touch is greater than the finality that death will bring. All the life giver took his case he touched him and said get up and death had to flee his touch is greater than even death there is one thing that is absolute in your life and that is we're going to die it is appointed that a man wants to die and after this the judgment if the rapture is delayed 
God doesn't come back for a thousand years. Don't believe that's going to be the case. Believe it could come tonight. But if that is the case, somebody will preach your funeral. It is appointed unto us once to die and after this, the judgment. That is an absolute in our lives. But can I tell you the absolute power of Christ is greater than the absolute power of death. Oh, hallelujah. That'll make a mummy want to shout right there. That'll make a dead man want to get up and run a few laps uh, around the building. Uh, our God uh, is greater than the greatest absolute in our life. Uh, you may not ever be rich, but you're going to die. Uh, you may never, uh, amen, have all the wealth in this world, uh, but it's an absolute. You're going to perish. Uh, but greater than the greatest absolute that we have uh, is the absoluteness of His power, uh, that He's greater, uh, that all it takes uh, is a touch in the spoken word of God. God and the absolute power of flesh has to diminish and has to get in line and obey and loosen its grip. Not only is there power to raise the physical dead back to life, amen, there's enough power in the touch of God to bring anything that's dead back to life. Your relationship with your children may be dead, but God is able to touch it and bring it back to life. Amen. Your finances may be dead and buried but God is able by his touch to resurrect and bring back to life that which is dead. There is nothing too far gone that the power and touch of God cannot resurrect. The power of his touch is greater than death. The power of his touch is greater than any sin. Now looking over this congregation tonight, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to people that are born again, have a testimony that Jesus is the Lord of their life. But I'm also preaching to people that has lost family members. Has lost spouses. Has lost sons or daughters. Has lost grandchildren and maybe you're thinking that they're just too far gone but we see a man in Luke chapter number 5 the Bible says was a leper which we've gone and preached that many times how leprosy is a presentation and how it is a depiction of sin but this man was leprosy, had eaten away in his body. Sin had run rampant in his life. But he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Now, we read this story. 2,000 years later. Leprosy is not as bad for us today as it was 2,000 years ago in Bible times. Leprosy was a death sentence. Was no cure. And it was going to be a slow, agonizing, painful death. There's a reason why you walked around a leper. There was a reason why you had no dealings with a leprosy. Because you didn't want a chance 
getting leprosy yourself. But Jesus wasn't concerned about leprosy. He wasn't concerned about the death sentence of the day. He looked at this man who was crying out for help and he said, Lord, if thou wilt, I can be clean. I know I've got the worst physical ailment that you can possibly have. I know what doctors have told me. I know what my diagnosis is. I know what my prognosis is and it's not good. But Lord, if you could touch me. Lord, if you could just touch me. If you would cleanse me, I can be healed. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. As we look at this in the picture of sin, he was eaten away. His limb, sin had run rampant in his life. But Jesus looked past the sin. He looked past the scars. And he saw the heart. Oh, hallelujah. And he reached forth his hand and said, Amen, you as bad as you want me to touch you, I want to touch and change your life even more. Friend, there is no sin. And there is no sinner that's too far gone that the hand of God cannot reach down and touch and pick them up. I don't care how bad the Strung out. I don't care how bad, amen, their life may be. You were in the same shape. I was in the same shape. Paul was the chiefest of sinners, he said, but no sin is a match for the hand and the touch of this man called Jesus. Amen. I've shared it before, but I'll share it again. The greatest revelations God ever gave me of his character. Psalms chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. David said, I was in a miry clay. I was dirty. I was filthy. But when I cried unto God, He heard my cry. He inclined himself into me, which the word picture in the Hebrew is to bend over and to cast oneself down and to, to reach out for the God of the universe. Uh, humbled himself to reach down uh, to lowly man. That'll preach in and of itself right there. But he picked me up uh, out of the miry clay when he reached down uh, and he touched David. He had to get his hands dirty. Uh, amen. He had to get dirty uh, with that miry clay when he reached down uh, and he picked up this man. Uh, amen. And God uh, began dealing with my heart. Uh, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Uh, he's not afraid to reach down to the worst uh, of the worst, uh, to the most horrible pit. Uh, amen. To get that one, uh, this covered in sin. He got his hand dirty in creation uh, when he formed Adam from the dust of the ground. Uh, he got his hand dirty when he reached down uh, and picked up David out of the miry clay in the pit. Uh, amen. He's not afraid to get his hand dirty uh, to reach down uh, to the worst rottenest rank of sinner uh, to reach down and pick him up uh, to put a new song in their mouth uh, put their foot on a rock uh, and establish their goings. Uh, there's power uh, in the touch of God. Not only is there power in his touch, but it's the will of God to reach down and to touch man. This man with leprosy said, Lord, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And Jesus responded, 
with two words, I will. Mm. Amen. I will. To the greatest words God ever spoke. Lord, if you will, you can save me. I will. Lord, if you will, you can heal me. I will. Lord, if you will, you can fill me. I will. Lord, if you will, you can touch my family. I feel the Holy Ghost. I will. Lord, if you want, you can send revival. I will. Lord, if you want, you can turn my church around. I will. Amen. The Lord is willing and ready tonight to meet the needs and the desires of His children. And not only will He just speak the Word, He's willing to reach down and involve Himself and provide a touch that only He can give. Touch is greater than death. It's touch. It's greater than sin. For where I am tonight, I'm just going to encourage myself in the Lord just a little while. His touch is greater than blindness. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, Thou Son of God, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came unto him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. These men were physically blind. Amen. Could not see. Probably had never seen a sunrise or a sunset. Never seen uh, their family. Never seen uh, all the beautiful aspects of this earth. Uh, but when they encountered this man called Jesus, uh, amen, they cried unto him, uh, said, Lord, uh, amen, if you will, uh, you can touch me. Uh, Lord, uh, the son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, and the Bible said then he touched their eyes. Uh, oh, the touch of God uh, was greater than blindness. Uh, at, the, at the touch and the feel, uh, amen, of the son of God. Those eyes that had never been opened. Those retinas and those pupils and corneas that had never operated. The irises and all the blood vessels that were dead. Amen. That had never seen life. Immediately had to open back up. And they had 20-20 vision. Able to see. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He's greater than blindness. It matters not whether we're born blind or whether we've lost our vision or whether there's something neurologically going going on that the doctors have no clue about. All it takes is one touch from the hand of Almighty God and blindness has to go. Sight has to return. The touch of God is greater than blindness. Physically speaking, greater than blindness. But I can tell you spiritually speaking, What's worse than a man never being able to physically see is a man never being able to spiritually see. Oh, God help us. Groping in the darkness. Eyes never being able to see the goodness of God because gross darkness has covered the people. But I can tell you folks, the touch of God it's not only greater than physical blindness, it's greater than spiritual blindness. 
Can I preach to the church just a little while right here? If we're not careful, it's so easy to get our eyes caught up and everything else that's going on in this world. And if we're not careful, spiritual blindness will begin to take hold. We'll become nearsighted to where we can see things right in front of our nose, but we, we miss out. On those things that are falling. There's things that are going on in our vision. That's not right. We're not focusing on the right things. We're focusing on politics. We're focusing on the economy. We're focusing on health care. We're focusing on doctor's reports. We're focusing on this. We're focusing in on that. And if we're not careful, we'll become blind to the one thing that matters most. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. When Peter was looking at the waves as long as he had his eyes set on Jesus, he was able to conquer any wave. He was able to conquer the very storm itself. But the second he got his eyes on the waves and the conditions and the problems, he took his focus off of Christ. Spiritual blindness began to take hold and what happened he began to sink oh the storm began to overtake him he began to perish in the waves oh but when he fastened his eyes back on Jesus he got his vision right and restored we see that Jesus reached down picked him up and they had to walk on the waves to get back to the boat he is the answer for not only physical blindness but the touch of God upon his children is the only thing that will cure spiritual blindness. I've got to hurry tonight. I'm trying to find a place to land this plane pretty quickly. But it's touch. Not only greater than blindness. It's greater than any physical malady that we'll have in this body. Matthew 8, when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick with a fever. We don't know what caused the fever. It might have been COVID. Who knows? But the Bible said, he touched her hand and the fever left her. Oh, he touched her. The fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. The touch of God is greater than anything physically going on in our bodies. You ask what I'm doing, I am encouraging myself in the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm not preaching anything new that I don't already know that you don't already know. But I can tell you, I know of one that needs a touch of God tonight. And I know of other instances in this house tonight that need a touch of God. And what I can't do for you, the anointing of Almighty God can. That woman with the issue of blood, she had tried every physician that she could think of. But she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I could just get to where he is and if I, I could touch him and he could touch me, I, I know that I'll be all right. Blind Bartimaeus had been blind all of his life, but he cried out like those two blind men saying, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And all it took was the touch of Almighty God. It matters not the physical malady. He's not moved by your condition or by your circumstances. He can heal blindness, stay 
stage four cancer just as well as he carried a hangnail or a headache. There is no limit to the power of Almighty God. What we need in this hour is a fresh touch from the throne room of heaven. I can tell you a fresh touch of God will cure anything that's wrong in our lives. Hallelujah. The touch of God is greater than fear and anxiety. The greatest pandemic in this world is not COVID, but it's a a pandemic of anxiety, depression, and fear. America is the most blessed nation and prosperous nation in this world. And yet doctors prescribe more antidepressants per capita in the most blessed nation than any other nation in this world. What's happening? Fear, depression, anxiety. It's running rampant in our society. We find a time in the Bible when the disciples themselves. Now, we like to think if you got fear, anxiety, depression, then you're not as spiritual as you need to be. I didn't get many amens right there. But that's what a lot of people like to pin it on. Well, you need to pray through. You need to, you, you, you need to repent over that and move on. And there's an ounce of truthness there. But I want you to notice something. There was nobody closer to Jesus than his disciples. But yet when they saw Elias, Elijah come down, when they saw Moses come down, Talking with Jesus. As he looked and beheld a bright cloud overshadowed them and beheld a voice cried from the cloud, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. They heard the voice of God. They saw his glory. They had seen Jesus raise Lazarus and perform all the miracles. But yet, even on the heels of their greatest Christian experience, they found themselves surrounded in a cloud of fear. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Be not afraid. Fear, anxiety, and depression are no match for the touch of God. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house tonight. The touch of God can do for you what Dr. Phil can. The touch of God can do for you what antidepressants can't. A touch of God can do for you what a fifth of whiskey in the morning to try to get your emotions in check cannot do. Oh, hallelujah. I know there's times where we get fearful and we're afraid. Fear is a natural response to things we cannot control. That is a natural response to fear. That's how this flesh operates. Amen. But when flesh and fear begin to take control of this body, that's when, amen, we've got to press into the throne room of Almighty God. And if we can get into His presence and His presence can get inside of us and His touch can be applied to our lives, 
There is no devil in hell. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. How do you get that preacher? It comes from the touch of God. Greater than fear. His touch is greater than any speech deficiencies or inefficiencies. We find of a man that couldn't talk in the Bible in Mark chapter number 7. He was deaf, had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him and put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and he spit and he touched his tongue. And the Bible says straightway his ears were open and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plain. There's going to be times in our life and I'm preaching to the church right now not that we cannot talk but that we don't know what to say. There's going to be points and times where we go through things. We go through tests and trials. We see somebody else. We want to say something to help. But we have no clue what to say. Right. I'll never forget Kirsten calling me at work one day. Asking me, said, can you get off? I said, no, I can't. I'm backed up in meetings. I'm, I'm swamped today. She said, we got a family here that just moved here. They visited around a couple churches. They just found out that the baby they're expecting, I don't know, they were somewhere 25, 30 weeks. But the, the baby is still born. Baby's dead. She called the pastor of the church that they visited and asked the pastor to come visit them and pray with them before she had to deliver the baby. Pastor told them that he only makes hospital visits for church members, not for visitors. I cleared my schedule and said, I'll be there. Called my boss and I've got to make some hospital visits. I went. And the whole way there, I've never been one that struggled to talk. I... Say amen to me, Kirsten. <laughs> I can talk, talk. Sometimes I like to be a little bit more reserved, but God has blessed me with a gift of gab sometimes. I can, I can talk and meander my way through a conversation. But Brother Daniel, the whole ride there, I'm thinking of that car driving to the hospital. What in the world am I going to say? Yeah. What can you say to a family whose life has just been turned upside on its heels? Right. What are you going to do to a mother and a father that's expected in the most joyous time in their life has just become the most tragic time of their life? Yeah. Two hours before, you think everything is healthy and normal and all of a sudden... You realize that that life that you're carrying on the inside of you is, is dead. And what's worse is you have to deliver that and hold the baby. And, and what you expected to be a joyous occasion is going to bring you trauma for the rest of your life. Thinking, God, I don't know what to say. The Lord's impressed on my heart said, you don't say anything. You get there and you pray for them. I'll talk through you. I know what they need to hear. And I walked in and I said, listen, I have no words to say, but I want to pray for you right now. We began praying. 
And I can tell you, I felt the Holy Ghost in that instance stronger there than I had at any camp meeting at any revival. I don't know what I prayed and I don't know what we said after the prayer, but I remember the Holy Ghost flowing through me to talk to him in that instance, in that season, in that moment of deficiency within the flesh. There was nothing that I could say to do anything to bring a comfort to that heart uh, the same way that God reached and he touched that man's tongue that couldn't talk. And when you go through those seasons and you don't know what to say, let God touch you first. Let him touch your tongue first. And let his life flow out of you and speak life into death itself. Oh, hallelujah. You'll find that he's still able to make the dumb to talk. I'll admit it. There's times I'm dumb. I don't know what to say. But he's still making the dumb to talk and to declare the glory of Almighty God, when you don't know what to say, let God touch your tongue. Let God touch your life. And His words will flow out. Kirsten, yeah. come help me if I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm landing the plane. But not only do we serve a God that touches us, but He allows us to touch Him. Now I know... Not going to call his name, but this goes against the grain with a hot shot of evangelist that's very popular in the world today. That when he leaves the green room to go to his pulpit, has a team of security guards around him because he wants nobody to touch him and to defile the anointing that he's going to carry to the pulpit. He views himself more highly than Jesus did. Because the Bible says in Mark chapter number 6, there was no man that was more anointed than Jesus was. There is no man that will ever be as anointed as Jesus was and is. But it said when they passed over and came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore, when they would come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in their beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages to city or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that he that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment. And the Bible said he didn't rebuke them. He didn't have his 12 disciples become a security team and say, don't defile the anointing. Don't touch me. No. The Bible says that as they sought to touch his garment, as many as touched him were made whole. Hallelujah. Luke chapter number 24. Jesus showed up to his disciples after his resurrection and said, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen spirit and when he said unto them why are you troubled and why do these thoughts arise in your hearts behold my hand and my feet that is my, I myself handle me and see for a spirit have not flesh and bones as you see me have the greatest invitation that you and I have is to handle the Lord Jesus Christ to touch him to reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by you'll find him He's not too busy to hear your hearts cry. He's passing by this moment your need to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. There is no greater invitation to man than to reach out, to handle him, and touch him. Not only is he able to touch us, he gives us the invitation. Touch me. 
Bible says in Hebrews, seeing we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Putting that in redneck definitions where Corey can understand it. We have a high priest that we can touch. We have a high priest in heaven, which is Jesus Christ the Lord. There is but one mediator between God and man. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. I'm not reaching for St. Paul. I'm not reaching for St. John. I'm not reaching for Mother Mary. I'm not reaching for Bartholomew. I'm reaching for Jesus because He's given us the invitation. Handle me. Handle me. Touch me. Amen. Reach out for me. Oh, and you'll find that I am well able. I know there's needs all over this house tonight. Some may be known and others not. He's given us an invitation this night to touch Him. Oh, and when you touch Him, I believe there's going to be a divine connection. As you reach up, oh my God, He's going to reach down. Hallelujah. Not only are you going to be able to touch Him, Amen. But you're going to leave tonight with a fresh touch of God Almighty on your life. I don't care how big the problem is. I don't care how small the problem is. It's not too big. It's not too small for Him. But the touch of God will forever change it tonight. Stand with us all over the building. I'm done. Amen. You got a need in your life. Come to this altar in faith believing. Like that leper, Lord, if you will, you can touch me. Lord, if you, I will, I can be made clean. I can tell you it is the will of God. It is the will of God for you to touch Him, for Him to touch you. The touch of God is greater. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. Hallelujah. Come on.